Brother Josh. Who else? Are you a guitar brother? Get, brother, you a guitar picker? I need a. You do know? Are you a guitar picker? You know guitars a little bit? Anyone? Anyone here says you're a picture? Okay. Shoot, so I'm using. We're doing a little illustration right before I get started. Just look at my guitar. Don't you just check that out? Just glance at it. What I do? I did what you said. I know. I know this. This. I know. I know. That's right. I know they didn't teach you that in college. A rookie and a redneck. I got the green light. The green light. You're still good. All right. I'm going to give an illustration. This is actually, this is part of what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to, you can go to first, or Second Timothy chapter 1 in your Bibles. Second Timothy chapter 1. Brother, I want you to take a look at my watch just for a minute. I want you to check it out. I want you to enjoy it. Just, your hands clean? No. Okay. Right. Check that out real quick. Right. I had a, I showed those to a couple of young men before the service. But sometimes God bless you. What do you think of that guitar? Have you, have you know anything about guitars? 12 string. All right. Does anybody know anything about Martins? Okay, this is a Martin. This, this is a Martin D45S. Okay. But that's a beautiful guitar. She's ready to play a song with it. Martin D45S. I had, uh, Brother Josh, I had you look up the value of that guitar. I had you look up the value of that guitar. How much is that thing worth, Brother Josh? 3500 what you're thinking? Because it's used? Something like that? All right. All right. Uh, that watch there, it's uh, pretty. He's got my watch. Don't drop it, please. Don't drop that watch. Brother David, what's, uh, what's that watch worth? $14,700 because it's a Rolex Submariner. There's only one problem with both of those. Brother Josh should have looked up the serial number on that guitar. The, uh, <laughs> um, I was handed a box of effects from a fellow that had passed away. Inside that was a, uh, just a different thing. One of them had a, had a broken money clip inside of it. And uh, on that money clip, it had a silver dollar. So I pried that silver. Any money collectors here? Anyone collect coins? What do y'all do? Y'all just go to church and drink milk. I got it. All right. I'm just kidding. That's, that was Bob Carrico used to say that. But I pried that silver dollar out, and I noticed on it was two letters that said CC. That's a Carson City silver dollar. Carson City. Now, that was given to me free. I said, well, that's, I said, that's pretty cool. A Carson City silver dollar. You've got Philadelphia man. A regular silver dollar from Philadelphia man or something like that there is worth 25 bucks, something like that. You know, These are worth maybe 150 125 150 I said, well, that's cool. So one of the truck drivers on the job came out, and uh, I didn't break it yet, right? I'm good? Okay. And one of the truck drivers came out, and he said, I want that Carson City silver dollar. I said, really? I said, uh, what do you have to trade for it? He said, uh, he said, well, I've got this Buck 112 automatic switchblade that's a special edition. So I'm looking that thing up there, and I punched it in online like you did. It says, it's worth $400. I said, okay, that's great. I said, I'd love to trade you. I said, yours worth a little more. He said, I don't care. I want that, I want that silver dollar. I don't want to put down any cash. I said, so I took the, the guy that's working with me. He said, I'd like to have the switchblade. I said, all right, what do you, he said, uh, he said, what do you want for that? I said, I've always wanted a counterfeit Rolex watch. <laughs> Sorry, Brother David. 
He got on eBay and that is worth about 200. I have zero dollars in it. And you can't tell the difference. If you, had a, if you had a genuine Rolex next to you, you can't tell the difference. And you couldn't, that's, that weighs within a few grams of the same weight. Everything is identical from the etching in the glass. It's identical. But it's counterfeit. That guitar, that a new D45 cost about 10 grand, sometimes a little more than that. I had, uh, we had a singing group the other day that's been traveling on the road about eight weeks out of Texas. The uh, mandolin player and the banjo, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. Y'all thought I had a $14,000 watch, I wish. But <laughs> I thought about saying the preacher, if I gave that to him for a gift, but he's not getting it. Um, but the, the singing group came by, the mandolin player and the banjo player were both state champions in the state of Texas playing. They were at our church about two weeks ago playing God's music, wonderful, singing some wonderful, beautiful music. But they had a bass player and a mandolin player, and, but, but they were state champions. The dad afterwards came up. My guitar was laying on the bench, and he, he looked at that guitar. And this is that, he, he's up, it was up in the choir. That's where we stand for. And he walked up there. He looked down on it. He said, and he motioned over his son. That's the state champion man. And they just, they didn't want to touch the guitar because it's, it looks like a $10,000 guitar. Unfortunately, I have $280 in that guitar. It was shipped to me straight from Beijing. <laughs> now, that's a beautiful guitar. You know, they, 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 it looks like more than that guitar. But she, saw, she would have said, I would have never believed you have. That included the hard shell case. He said, what is that about? Go to first or 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let me show you something. He said, verse 1, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. That's Paul talking to Timothy. If you want to remember someone, pray for him night and day. It's a good way to well, remember. Verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Those are going to be the words I'm going to preach, that unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. That word unfeigned, unfeigned, means real it means genuine. If you looked at the definition, it would say something like sincere, undis undisguised, without hypocrisy, genuine, real. He said, Timothy, he said, you've got a real faith. He said, when I look at you, you've got a genuine faith in you that I see, and I thank the Lord, and it brings me joy when I see that. It's a real faith. It's not a, it's not a fake faith. That watch is a beautiful watch. There's no doubt. I have zero dollars in it again. <laughs> But it looks like I'm wearing a $15,000 watch in my wrist. But there's one problem. It's basically worthless. If you open the inside of it and the back of it up, there's junk in there. Even though the outside looks wonderful, there's junk on the inside. Now, it is a watch that works by movement, but inside is a Chinese worthless watch that you could buy for $10 at a store somewhere. The outside looks good. The inside is a mess. That guitar, it may, on the outside, the, the electronics says Fishman. If you knew anything about electronics, Fishman is one of the finest pickups and things you put in a guitar. That's not a Fishman pickup. It's a fake. It's not genuine. But tonight, I'm going to ask you this. This is my thought. I had to bring the only... It looks like I have nice things, but it's a fake. In front. My car is real, but this is... It's not my car. That's my wife's. <laughs> Are you genuine? Are you genuine? Paul said, he talked to young Timothy. He said, 
He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Is your faith genuine? Is it real or is it phony? Like, make, I play my guitar, I play in church every Sunday, play a song for you tonight with it, and I kind of wanted to do that so you can see it. It's a wonderful sound, wonderful look. It looks beautiful, but it's fake. All those, all those little things that look like mother of pearl, if you look really close to the magnifying glass by the day, you'd have seen there were stickers. They're not real. How about you? How about your faith? Is it real? He said, Timothy, he said, you have unfeigned faith. You know, when you think about that word faith there, that faith talks of a couple things. One, it does talk of our faith in God and our faith in Christ or, or a, a, our beliefs. But it also has to do with your actions in your life and that which you live. Remember when they talk about Timothy and Acts? It's that a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to ask you about your, your faith. I'm going to ask you if it's genuine tonight. I'm going to give you a couple things that he says in the text about that. But our faith, I'm gonna, about your salvation, is your salvation genuine? You know what concerns me? But those, two, those two young men, I said the young men of 33, Josh and Tosh were here this morning. The big, the big old boys there, they're on my crew. I have a, that's my security detail. I have a private security detail. Tosh can bench press 500 pounds. You know what my fear is? If I have one, and this is because, this is because I, I, I'm human and I'm flesh. My fear is that the devil's dealt them a counterfeit. And I have to, and I, I want to see something. I want to see some, do you understand what I'm saying? I want to see some results in life. I want to see him grow. I want to see him serve the Lord. Now, their decisions they made and the prayers that they gave to God is between them and God. But I found this when I've studied the word called repentance in the Bible. When I've studied that, repentance may be a mindset at salvation, but it's always followed by works. You see, I know someone that got saved and never attended church and never did anything for God and never did good things ever. You don't know one. Not according to the Bible. Because if they trusted Christ, he, they repented. Repentance three times is called a gift in the Bible. Twice it was gra- the word granted. Is there anybody here going to college? You're going to college. Josh, let me ask you a question, Josh. You have two, two ways to get money going to college. One is if your dad's rich. Well, that's the third way, if your dad's rich. Um, but you can get a loan or you can get a grant. If you get a loan, that means you've got to pay the money back. You know what the difference in a grant is? Somebody gives it to you. Somebody says, would you like this grant? The answer to that question is Yes. Grant means it's a gift. Repentance is a gift. It's called a gift. It's called, said it was granted three times. And one time it's called, two times it's called granted, I think it is, and one it's a gift. But the, repentance is a gift. So God gives you that gift just like he gives you the faith, gives you everything to do with salvation. But there are always works that result on account of that. Let me ask you something about your salvation. Is it genuine? Did you, you say, why would you even ask that in a church like this church is... Uh, is a conservative King James Bible. You folks look right. I say you talk right. I doubt anybody said any cuss words in here today, uh, unless it was Josh and Tosh this morning, maybe. They don't know anything yet. And uh, they get church every day on the job. But let me ask you, watch this. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here are in church already, going to church regularly when you got saved? Lift up your hand. Usually that's about right. It's about half. You say, what does that mean? It means there's people that go to church every Sunday that are not saved. Is your salvation, is that part of your faith genuine? You, 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 have, you have that part of your faith that's genuine when you serve God. He said, I thank the Lord for your unfeigned faith. I would like to think that every one of us are going to heaven, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if some of you are not, and some of you are faking it, and some of you are not genuine. Some folks grow up, and the mom and dad brings them to church. Thank the Lord for that. I was in church nine months before I was born, just like many of you. And uh, they grow up in church, and they kind of back up and join the church. Mom and dad come to a church. You've been here, how long have you been here? A couple of years now, something like that, brother? Y- yes, sir. In, in, 
Five, he's been here five years. He gets here, brings all those children in. If you're not careful, his, when he joins, his children join with him. And they just slip in. They sit down in our church. They grow up and get married. But there's never a salvation experience. Years ago, he, he showed the illustration last week that my song leader, Brother Ed, that's exactly what happened Brother Ed Clements. His mom and dad grew up in that church. They founded that church in Lakewood Park. Brother Ed grew up in there, started going to church, served the Lord, taught a Sunday school class, led my singing. He was over there singing a special with his wife one day, and God says, and someone had talked to him that week about salvation. Is the church just like this? We were solid. We taught salvation. We taught, you've got to believe. You've got to ask. You, you know, you've got to understand yours. We, we taught all those things. He'd listen to them. He'd amen them. But he was not genuine. It wasn't real. It wasn't sincere. The salvation had never happened in his life. How much salvation? Is that genuine? Is that real? Is that unfeigned? Or are you faking it? How sad will it be? When you, you know, you can, you can fool me. I could, have, I could have fooled you, Brother David. I could have taken that watch. I could have said, I want Brother David to think I'm, I'm rich. I, I had zero dollars in it. But you thought, when you, when you watched me in that service, I'd say some thoughts went to your mind. You said, that man over there has a $15,000 watch. And you, you said, what kind, of, what kind of jobs he got? I'll see if they're hiring. You know, that, there's some thoughts. He, said, he, thought, or he probably thought, who in the world will blow that kind of money on a stupid watch? You know, but he's thinking that the truth was I was faking it. And some folks will do, you know, I can do that. And, and in here, and, and as far as church is concerned, I'm just going to spend just a minute here. You can fake and fool those around you, but it'll do you no good when you stand before Christ. I beg you, I beg you, just get past that thing. Just say, you know, I've been lying. But what Brother Ed did, he, he said, he said, he came running over to me. I was sitting over there. He, was, he, he quit the song. He came around. He says, I ain't saved. I said, you know what to do? Let's get down and do it. We got down and asked Christ to forgive him and uh, serve the Lord with his family. How about your salvation? Is that real? Is it, is it real? How about your commitment to God? I can't see your heart. I can see your works. But when he talks about this unfeigned, some of the fidelity, faithfulness, sincerity, those are the definitions of words. The, the, those things are the type of faith that it was a sincere faith. When you serve God, you, you say, I'm committed to God. I, I love God. I read my Bible. I pray. When you're, when you're off by yourself and you talk to God, how genuine and how real is it? I can tell you how real your prayer life is. Uh, I think it was Psalms chapter 17, verse 1. David's beginning a prayer. And he said, he used the word feigned. He said, he said, I'm going to pray this prayer, but not with feigned lips. That same word. He said, but not with lying lips, not with insincere lips. He said, I'm going to give you a genuine prayer. Your, let me tell you how you can tell you how real your prayer life is. Just take and get off by yourself and pray out loud. If you don't do that, just pray out loud. And you'll find out how real your prayer life is. We can sit down and we can mumble and we can pray for those around us and we can pray over a meal. But if you want to find out if you have a genuine prayer life with God, when you're out there on your job, you're out there in your car, you're going, just, I mean, just talking to God through the day, pray. If you don't pray out loud now, and you may, some of you may be great prayer warriors, and you may pray, and you may be different. But if you don't, just stop and pray out loud. You'll find out how genuine your prayer is. I read a line here a while back in a, in a book written by Mark Twain, and uh, he, said, he said, I found one thing out for sure. You cannot pray a lie. Because the character in the book was trying to pray. He said, you can't pray a lie. And it's the same with you. If your prayer life is genuine, David said, he said, I don't want to do it with, with feigned lips. He said, God, I'm going to give you an honest prayer and an honest request. Your prayer life, your commitment to God. Jeremiah 3.10. God's talking, uh, he's, uh, Jeremiah is talking through, through Jeremiah. He's talking about the, the country of Judah. And he said, Judah hath not turned unto God with her whole heart, but feignedly. 
that he's talking about Judah, you know, the nation of Judah, and they had split up, and you, know, you had the ten tribes, and you had, had them, you know, they split up. Of course, not Levites, then you got Judah, and they'd split up, and Judah was over there, and, he, and Israel was, was, was the first ones to go astray. But he said, Judah is the same. He said, they're not following me with their whole heart. They're doing some of it. They're, they're, you know, mom and dad are real proud of the kids because they're doing right. Well, well, what's it like when mom and dad aren't there? What's it like when you pray and you read your Bible and you talk to your friends, and no one knows what that conversation is about? Is it real? But he's talking about your, 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 your relationship with God. When you want to talk, brother, I, you could fool me all day long, but when you get together with God, is it a real, genuine commitment to God? You, 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 the, the, the piano play, I felt like I was in a concert hall tonight. I don't mean to just lift them up, but that's some wonderful music that she's playing. Is she doing it to show off? Is she doing it to honor God? Is she, doing, is she, doing, she definitely has the ability, but God, God will use you in your life. But will it be a sincere, I want to honor God with my life? Or whatever it may be that you know. I'm just thinking about those things that God gives you. Are you doing it genuinely for the Lord? <coughs> the first clue that the brother with the, the I gave the price of the first guitar, of the guitar, his first clue should have been, he said, nobody that plays a guitar like that has a $5,000 guitar. Y'all can laugh or smile or something. Is it real, your commitment to God? Is it real? Is your salvation, your, your service in the church, is it real? Is it, so you understand what he's saying. He said, Paul looked at young Timothy. He said, Timothy, he said, I thank the Lord when I see your unfeigned faith. I've got a two-point outline, then we're going to go home. Two points. But I'm going to show you what he says in this text. He said what an unfeigned faith will do. Paul said, he said in verse 4, Greatly desire to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance... The unfeigned faith which is in thee. Now, this is Paul talking. This is the, the, can I use the word, the great apostle Paul. He's dead now. He wouldn't want you to say that in his presence. But the great apostle Paul, he could spot a fake. He said, I look at you, and he said, and I see it's real. At the end of that verse, he said, he talked about being as lowest, and, and, and he said, and I am persuaded that in thee also. The first thing that unfaith is, unfaith faith will do, let me say this, it is a life that is noticed by others. If you have a real, genuine faith, it will be noticed by other people. What do other people think of your life? He said back at the end of verse 4, he said that I might be filled with joy. To see him, yes, but because you have, you've got the faith of God in your life. He said, you've convinced me. You've convinced Paul that you're a Christian. Others will notice if it's real. We've often said this, that young people, dad, they know if you're real or not, your kids do. I heard you teach Sunday school. Now, when I say these things, please, I'm not trying, I'm not, I don't know all y'all. I'd say good things about all of you. Heard you teach a Sunday school lesson last week, and I said, that man is a student of the Bible, period. Those kids have seen you study your Bible. Now, you might have said, would you be quiet? I'm trying to study. You may have, you may have, yeah, I understand. I was a dad. We had, we had six. But, but those kids have seen you. Say, so how do you know that? Because I heard him teach. I don't think he got off the internet. He might have, but even then he had to study something to get it out of there. But he's a student of the Bible. And he tries to find out what's right, what's wrong. I know he was a missionary for years, but he's a student of the Bible and he studies that thing. What happened? The unfeigned faith, that true faith, that genuine, he says, I want to, I want to see what's right. I want to find out, I want to teach my children the things that are right and things they should do. So he studies it from his Bible and he's real and it's noticed by others. His wife knows how real he is. Brother Stewart's wife's heard me preach before, so she volunteered for the nursery tonight. (laughs) 
If you'll lead, lead a genuine life, it will be noticed by others. What is your goal with your Christian life? If you're saved, we're heaven bound with the hammer down, and that is not changing. You know, I have a goal in life now, and that is to bring others with me. Sam Allen used to preach a sermon. He's dead now, but he preached a sermon one time called, Are You In? I, had a, I still have a cassette tape of that sermon, Are You In? He said, Are You In? Then he said, How far are you in? Like, are you dedicated? Are you separate? You know? And then the third thing he said, he said, Are you getting anybody else in with you? And if I have a goal, I'm in Christ. But if I have a goal in life, I want to bring some other folks in with me. I want people to look at Ray Curtis's life and say he's real. I'm praying Josh and Tosh, when they trust her, I pray, hope they meant it. Not because one brother did it and the other brother did it. I have no idea. I, I pray. They, they seem gentle. We, we have church every day on the job. I told my son, I, I gave my Bible. I said, I want you to go home. I want you to read a few verses or a chapter every night. I said, start in Genesis or John or something. I said, they come to work tomorrow and we're going to discuss it every day on the job. Okay. But I want them, when they look at Ray Curtis, not to see a fake and a phony. I want my life, not, not to lift me up. I, I was praying Friday on my job, out loud on my job. I, was, I think I may have shared that with you. The, the company that I went to work for is in this area. Now, I live there, but I started working down here. And, uh, but uh, the company, as far as I know, I have not yet met a person there that's saved. I have not met a person yet that's saved. Not one. They're, I, can I use the term good old boys? They seem nice. Uh, they're friendly sometimes if they want to be. And, uh, but I, I've not heard one of them that looked, act, talked, sounded like anything a Christian whatsoever at all in their life. I was praying for it. I said, Lord, I pray you'd give me a life that they see Jesus in me. I want the owner of our company. We went out on the first day and I explained to him with the church. We sat, he took him out to lunch. I sat down, prayed out loud like I always do. He bowed his head and prayed with me. He's the owner of our company. And, he, and, we, and we did these things. And that's not the, But I, you say, why did you do that? You're doing that just to let them know that you're a Christian? No, I'm doing that because I want them to become one. But I, I've said, Lord, I want you to help me live and work in such a way that when they see me, they see Jesus and they say, I want whatever he's got. I get guys from an old company. I had a... Uh, fellow's name is John Dutton. Two years ago, John Dutton um, went to the doctor. He had he his iron kept going up, and in his body, his iron kept going up, and iron kept going up. He'd go and he'd get a blood transfusion. The iron numbers would go up. If if, if you know iron numbers, a uh, very low number, ten or twenty or something like that, I think is the is the desired number for whatever blood test they were giving him. His numbers were in the thousands, ten thousand, twenty thousand. He went and got a liver transplant. And the number of the next day, time they checked after that, it was like fifteen or 20,000. It didn't work. They said, you've got a year to live. John called me up, and he said, Ray, he said, I want you to preach my funeral. And I said, Lord, I want you to have, help me have the same testimony in front of those that I'm around now, that when something goes wrong in their life, they'll call me up and say, Ray, could you pray for this one? Could you pray for that one? If you have an unfeigned faith, it's a life that will be noticed by others. Not to lift us up. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's my goal in life. I've, all my kids are grown. Off and left the house as of November. We became determined as empty nesters. And uh, my daughter says, what are you going to do when we get married, Dad? I said, the party begins. That's what I told her. And uh, But we're enjoying, my wife and I, we, we have each other and God's you know, blessed us and and uh, but my um, if I have my children are up and saved and serving the Lord, but my goal is I want to bring others in with me. And an unfeigned faith, a genuine faith, 
will draw others to Christ. It is a life that will be noticed by others. Let me give you the second thing. He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. We see that faith didn't start with Luke. I'm sorry, with Timothy. It didn't start with Timothy. It started with at least Lois. And then it went to Eunice. And then it went to Timothy. I put this. It's not only a life noticed by others, but it's a legacy worth passing on. You know something, you brother, you, you want to serve the Lord, you want to do right, and you want your family to grow up and serve God, but you also want your grandchildren in church and serving God and their grandchildren. There was, a, uh, there was a man down in Corinth, Georgia. His name was Jesse Ingram. I've got a picture of Jesse Ingram standing with his wife, a full-blood Cherokee Indian, standing with his wife beside a log cabin. Jesse Ingram started a church. He was, a, he was a Baptist preacher down in Corinth, Georgia. He started a church, and that church burned down. The old building is still there. And there's a plaque on the side that says, this church, whatever, by J.C. Ingram. Serve the Lord. I don't know about J.C. Ingram's. I don't know about his past. But he had a daughter. And uh, that, daughter, that daughter was born, and she married a, a man uh, named Mr. Conaway. She had one husband. Then she married another man. His name was, his name was Carol Conaway. Her name was Lonnie. So she became Lonnie Conaway. She was Lonnie Ingram, became Lonnie Conaway. And Lonnie Conaway, and I met that couple. I met Lonnie and I met uh, 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 Carol Conaway, C-A-R-R-E-L-L. I met Carol Conaway and Lonnie Conaway. And, uh, and they were, he was a deacon in his church and she was serving the Lord. And I knew that thing. And they served the Lord in that church that I knew at the time. I was very young at the time. It was serving the Lord the whole time. They had a daughter. Her name was Mary. Mary Bell. And uh, so uh, uh, Mary Bell was, uh, now her first, she was born through the first husband, but I, I knew the second husband. But, uh, but Mary Bell, her original name was Melton. Mary Bell Melton came along. Here's the third generation. Mary Bell Melton came along and uh, began to serve the Lord and do things. She married a fellow named Jerry, Jerry Curtis. And that's my mom and dad. My mom and dad went to church their entire life. They learned, J.C. Ingram said, I'm going to serve God. Lonnie said, I'm going to serve God. Jerry and Bell Curtis, who met Jesus within the past three or four years, they said, I'm going to serve God. They had six children. You're looking at one of them. I've been in church all my life. We've never been out. I don't know what it's like to go out. It doesn't mean I'm not done wrong, but I've learned that the faith that they gave me is the right faith. They handed down. They said, this is right. We lived a block from Highland Park Baptist Church for 10 years. I remember walking down that road there to that church, and I goofed around. All, y'all know they've heard the name Lee Robertson, and we got to hear Dr. Robertson preach. I got to hear Jack Hiles preach, and, and uh, J. Harold Smith preach Payday Someday. And I got to, all those great preachers would come through there, and they would preach. And what were they doing? My mom and dad took me to church. I remember walking to church one time. I'm holding my mama's hand. I remember walking to church, and I said, Mama, who is that up there? And she said, That's Charles Weigel, the one that wrote, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Charles Weigel asked, asked Dr. Robertson, he said, I want you to pray God and let me to be 100. He was 90. When he got to 95, he said, Dr. Robertson, you can quit praying. <laughs> and he died within a year, I think. And, uh, but just, and I got to see some of those great. What were they doing? They were handing down a legacy to me. They were handing down an unfeigned faith to me that was right and that was real. 
We didn't, I, remember, I remember the day that my dad got saved. My mom, she was saved as a teenager, but my dad, he found out later in life that he was a phony, and he said, I know I'm a phony. He said, I know it's not. He got saved there at Highland Park. I remember they went down, and they said, Jerry Curtis. And I remember them asking, he said, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save sinners? If anybody's ever been to Highland Park. And Dr. Robertson would ask him those three questions. And he said, you, are you trusting the Lord as your personal Savior? And do you want to follow him now in believer's baptism? He'd ask him those questions. And he said, yes, sir. Now, what's my dad the night that he got saved? What were they doing? They were handing down an unfeigned faith. It's worth handing down because now I've got six children. This morning I had a son out in Billings, Montana. Actually, Roundup. Just out, out in Roundup, Montana. He was leading the singing. He's probably going to be doing it in just a few minutes. Leading singing, his wife playing the piano, my little three grandchildren up there singing specials in church. My next son down, Caleb, you've, you've met Caleb Curtis, my son, pastors in Brevard. My other daughter, you ever heard of Crown College? You ever heard of uh, Clarence Sexton? You ever heard of that name? He was, she was his personal secretary for years. She graduated there, got married a few years ago, serving God. They're looking at going full-time at a, service, at a church up in Michigan. You say, why, in the, why are you telling this? Because I'm telling you, it's something that you can hand down to your children. My next daughter, Holly, they've been singing full-time. The Inspirations were a group. Troy Burns was one of the original singers. My son, Mark Mitchum, has a new CD out, by the way, on iTunes, and uh, he's been singing full-time with that family. They served God in their church over there uh, in South, and another, on the other end of South Carolina, a little place called St. Saint, Stephen. My next daughter's in church with us. They come every Sunday, serve the Lord, her and her husband. They were in bus church this morning with all those little bus kids, all those little smelly kids that don't know nothing about God. They bring them in. They're in there teaching them and tell them and singing with them about Christ. My other daughter's up there. They, the church they were in, they were teaching Sunday school class. And all, with, with Sierra, with her and her husband, been there doing their bus church and their Sunday school class. You say, why does that matter to us? Because I'm telling you that an unfeigned faith is a legacy worth passing on. And if you will be genuine and true, then you'll get to see it in your children. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want into the lives of my children. That doesn't mean that they're perfect and they're always going to serve God. I pray that they will. But I do know that God says if you'll have an unfeigned faith, he gives you that illustration. Why did he name Lois? Why did he name Eunice? And why did he give Timothy? He says, because if yours is unfeigned, he said, Lois, he said, she was real. She, what she believed in her heart. When she served God, it wasn't to lift her up. He said it was real. He said, your mama Eunice said when she'd get up and sing that special over there at the tabernacle, it's not because she's trying to lift herself up. It's because she loved me and she loved God and the things that are right. He said, Timothy, he said, I see the same thing in you. And you go with it at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, oh, Timothy. He said, keep that which is committed to thy trust. And he asked him, he said, son, he said, I want you to take that what I, and this is Paul, that what I've invested in you. He said, I want you to give to others. Is your faith unfeigned? It's a legacy that's worth carrying on. I, got to, I get to go to church with different places. I get, to, I get the enjoyment. You do too, Brother Stewart. There comes my grandkids. Now, all of my grandchildren are above average. But I get to see my grandchildren go to church and sing specials. My, salve, my, my faith, my, not just what I believe, but the actions that I live. God says, if you'll make it real, he said, others will notice it. And your family will carry it on. Is it worth it to be real? Let me ask you something now. Are you, are you genuine? Do you look good? He looked at that watch. I bet you would look at that. That's a nice looking, that's a nice looking watch. It is, it is a nice looking watch. It looks like a $15,000 watch. There's a problem with it. It's not worth $15,000. You may look good, Brother David, but if it's not genuine, it's worthless. And others will notice that as well. Are you genuine in your service to God and your salvation? 
in your service of the church, in your commitment to God, is it real? I can't answer that because I can't see inside of you, but I've always enjoyed that. Paul said, Timothy, he said, I thank the Lord for your unfeigned faith. I thank the Lord that you're real. You folks look real. I mean, you look, you look like you really love God. You look like you honestly serve Him. What's it like when you get home tonight and you click on that computer? What's it like when you, turn, when you open up your phone? Now, there's nobody else, and you open up that phone. What are, you, what are you doing on that thing? What's, what's, what's it like when you, or, or do you go home and you say, yeah, I've I got to spend some time in my Bible, and I've got to pray. I, me and God got to communicate. We've got to talk. I'm not saying there's no use for any of those things, almost. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what is your life like in private? Is it real? Are you genuine or are you phony? You say, well, that's between me and God. It is. But if you want others to get in and you want to pass it down, it's going to have to be real.